0: yes it was a protest and some people I think get peaceful lost pro- lost pro- right lost the in that word peaceful yeah <laughs> especially with everything that's going on in the world since yeah. then But yeah. well, you know let's look at this we had a couple hundred truck drivers basically living on the side of the street for three weeks no, we no, had no, two, know, no. barbecue, two, two or three yeah. different camps back, set up no, with right, barbecues going on and cooking food t- like basically all day and night they were cooking really? to feed everybody and yeah um There was no trash left behind. There was nothing burnt, nothing broken, nothing. I mean, and and that's why, you know, how he explained how the police worked with us so well is because they're like, dude, this is, yeah. They were actually stopping by and eating with us and stuff like that.
1: you you know, when we left, we thanked the, you know, uh, Secret Service, we thanked the, you know, Capitol Police, the local police, the Park Police, you know, we wrote them letters, you you know, saying thank you for, you know, helping us, you know, working with us.
2: i'm todd dills this is the overdrive radio podcast for october 16th 2020 we'll be running back in time a bit through the May Day three-week protests outside the white house with two men i finally caught up with back in dc for the 10 forum dc event two weeks ago that's mike landis owner operator of landis and sons trucking and head of his grassroots united states transportation alliance advocacy group and cj carmen former owner-operator now in tech development with his own Easy Logs company. Yep, Carmen's an ELD provider. I'm always tempted when I think about the fact that these two ended up being sent into a meeting with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and then FMCSA head Jim Mullen, which capped the three weeks of protest around transparency issues and brokered freight transactions. I'm tempted to set it up like a joke. So, what happens when an ELD mandate protester and an ELD provider meet with the White House to talk about brokers? Today on the podcast, Landis and Carmen take us back through some of the lead into and culmination of these events, which started with an emphasis on reverse price gouging during the pandemic, and settled for the longer haul now at least on uh, in part on that transparency rule. Enforcement and or potential enhancement of a regulation that has long been on the books. 49 CFR 371.3 Requires a broker to disclose all freight charges, including commissions, among other things, uh, if it's requested by any party therein, whether shipper, receiver, or carrier, after uh, the fact of the transaction. An FMCSA-initiated comment period is open. Two groups, including a OIDA, I uh, want to prohibit use of contract clauses from brokerage who would require truckers to waive the, their right to the transaction records as a condition of doing business. OIDA takes things further in asking the transaction records disclosure be not only required but automated after a load is delivered. Such might keep the honest players in brokerage honest and the dishonest ones, well, they have a much more difficult time retaining their business In fact, if they're in fact cheating their carriers out of what's fair. Some owner operators advocate for required transparency into what the shippers prepared to pay to move the load before the fact of the transaction, limiting as that might be to any potential savings to be gained by shippers working with brokers and small carriers uh, instead of large trucking entities directly. I would, I would, that's just me uh, guessing a little bit there. Uh, all of that is not as of now what the current regulation is about. The broker group, the Transportation Intermediaries Association, conversely, argued uh, that regulation has no bearing on the current market and uh, the group believes it should be removed. Uh, they petitioned the FMCSA as such and that's part of the comment period as well. They feel it's an outdated relic of sorts of the pre-deregulation era when freight pricing for most commodities outside of ag was set by rate bureaus under the purview of the Interstate Commerce Commission. A little more later on this fairly common point of view among brokers, and some owner ops who view trust in the broker carry relationship to be something that they're willing to invest in long-term, without the necessity of broker commission's disclosure, for instance. Yet, in the purely transactional spot market, where such investment doesn't have much opportunity to happen, small carriers and owner ops too often feel in negotiations as if on the short end of the stick, as it were, or... To use another analogy, on the business end of whatever implement of torture. A problem when freight falls off a cliff, of course, and it's a free for all on rates, as it was for many in April and May. Here's C.J. Carmen speaking to just why he, as an ELD provider at that time, got involved in the Mayday begun efforts in D.C.
1: We did an article um, about three weeks in a Slavic newspaper, about three weeks prior to the event, and we called on the Slavic community to come out. And instead of talking to each other, you know, and crying about it right. make a difference you know come out uh you know do a you know peaceful protest and kind of you know speak out and you know have that awareness to the public you know, right. share it where you you know they can see what exactly what's going on and you're being price gouged you're the ones that on the front lines delivering the food to the tables so people can have food during this you know pandemic uh but yet you're the one are you're the one that's getting screwed in the end and then you can pay you know uh, 65 cents a mile which you can't even pay your bills you can't even fuel up your truck, you know, that uh, that kind of. So that's what kind of came to my attention, and I had a lot of customers that came to me, and then they're like, "Dude, like we're getting screwed. We can't pay you. We can't, you know." And I'm like, "Dude, like if it's gonna keep on going at the pace it's gonna go, I'm not gonna have a job. Nobody's gonna have a job. You know what I mean?" So I'm like, "Somebody needs to step up." So I felt it was the right time, and. I wanted to make a difference, and I have a passion for this, you know, industry. Being a tr- truck driver uh, s- ever since 2007, and, and driving, uh, you know, till uh, uh, 2015. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know the industry, you know. Yeah, you, so, on, and on, uh, once on, a truck on, driver, always a truck driver. You know what I mean? So I, I, I knew that we had to do something, and uh, then, uh, and also there was a video with that, you know, with, with Rick and whatnot. On, uh, on, yeah, right. he he wanted to. Do something Carmen as well. makes
2: reference here to New Jersey based small fleet owner operator Rick Santiago, with whom I spoke at the time as well. Santiago's YouTube videos around the time captured conversations with folks around the dark corners of the brokerage world, some formerly within it, who detailed a business philosophy that will sound familiar to anyone who's been on the wrong side of a negotiation, only to find out the broker likely kept just as much above the money in the load as you did. It might be rare that happens, but it does happen. And that business philosophy: maximum profit, risk to carry, a relationship no matter at all. As we reached the freight cliff in April, opportunities for exercising that approach were numerous.
1: We felt it was a you know good time to actually show up, and uh, that's why a lot of Slavics you know showed up okay. to you know support. And I mean a lot of like, like just like we were talking when uh, back in uh, you know in May, that uh, for a lot of these people it was their last battle. You know what I mean? So they came up here and, you know. They, if there was no change, they couldn't, you know, feed their uh, their families. A lot of small business would be out of business. That's the way I believe it. So,
2: Owner-operator Mike Landis, though plenty active when it comes to engaging uh, the government on regulatory matters, participating in protests and public outreach events in D.C. and the like, Landis was skeptical at first, but partially it was a skepticism born of experience. It's been quite a long time since he'd... Had to work load board or canvas large brokerage apps, brokerages apps for free.
0: Amongst ourselves, we've talked about what brokers do and stuff like that as far as trying to gouge people on price stuff. I mean it's an age-old game that we've yeah. all dealt with. For myself, you know, I, I have more of a contract style work for the last few years and I haven't been in the game of having to book loads off, which I've done for years, but not recently. And, you know, I have buddies that do, and you hear stories about how bad it is, but you know, it's always, well, ain't gonna pay me what I want, ain't gonna haul it. And then uh, during the pandemic, I actually went and hauled groceries, which was another type contract thing. So I still wasn't dealing with the huge price gouging that went on, but I started hearing more and more about it. And, um, and I heard there were some people coming down here for that. And, and I was like, I just I just didn't know, like to me, it was like, man, if if you're not happy with it, why? what are you hauling it for if you let it sit and, and that that is a good solution however admittedly i didn't even know that there was some rules on the books about the transparency at that time and um, my, my original thought was this is a problem but you know to me the solution was to just not haul their cheap freight um, not knowing that there's actual rules in place so as i started to learn more about this before this even happened um, you know I was contacted by um, Sean McIntosh and Asked if I would come down and I said Sean like I you know things were still whatever even though I had decent work It was spotty. So when there was work I needed to work and I actually had work lined up through that weekend of the beginning of it And I said listen I said if you go down and it's a decent turnout I said I hate to say it because I'm the one that preaches Don't worry about what other people are doing if you feel it you got to show up, right? but i said look i I got work i have to do to make money because i didn't work all week that week and i had work lined up for the weekend i said you know give me a shout, and i'll see what i can do about coming down if it actually turns into something decent and and you think that i should be there for whatever reason he's like all right and i'm like you know even the fmcsa called her like what do you think this is going to whatever and i said honestly i I have no idea i don't know
1: (laughs) there was a lot of cultures here you know but they came all together as american truck drivers and i mean we were fighting from day one basically uniting people there was people left and right and that's exactly what we believe that the other side wants is that they don't believe that truckers can unite and actually uh pass a message on to the you know other side
0: yeah it was it was tough um in the beginning when i first got down here i decided to come down because i actually had a bunch of people members and non-members of usta calling like man you know We don't know, there's a bunch of people down there that have never been involved in any of these protests we've done in the past. They're like, you should be down there to be able to talk to people and stuff.
2: Eventually, he did show up, and it'd be more than two weeks before he left.
0: We created USTA to stand with the drivers and stuff like that, and even though maybe this wasn't a priority that was at the top of our list of things we've been working on, However, the more I learned about it, I'm like, it is a problem. So you know what? I'm going to come down. I didn't want to. Co- I came down very quietly because I didn't want to come down and yeah. steal a show from anybody or whatever. People get you know whatever about. So you and were um,
1: behind, I didn't even know who you were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until I
0: just, introduced me to you, I, I just kind of showed up, and I, I wanted to hear what people had to say and yeah. and hear their ideas and solutions and 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 qualms and whatever else. And um, but the thing is, is like, I created that to stand with drivers, so I'm like, who would I be if I didn't come down and, and at least see what's going on? But I'm glad I did, because for the first few days I was here, there were tensions, and it was tough to go between, like CJ said, there's so many different cultures here, different languages and stuff like that. We had the language yeah. barriers that we were dealing with. and But you know what, it took what, three or four days maybe, and people started to realize, okay, what they were mad about this person saying the other day was because they didn't understand exactly what they meant. And once we started all kind of coming to that understanding of under yeah. what everyone meant, man, it was, it was the the biggest thing I took out of that. Uh, beyond going to even the White House and the number of people showing up, was just the people that came together yeah. and stayed together yeah. while we okay. were here. No. Yeah. yeah.
2: That didn't happen immediately, however, as a debate over the notion of actually advocating for a cap on a broker's margins on a load went on, in effect re-regulating some of the elements of freight pricing, uh, of which Landis was not in favor.
0: One of the big things that people wanted when we were down here for that was a cap on the percentage that brokers can make. Yeah. and. and we got into some heated arguments, I'll say, out here with some of the other people yeah. because we're like, you can't do that. And they're like, why? I said, it's just un-American. You yeah. can't tell someone yeah. we have the right to prosper. It's in, it's in the Constitution. Like, Meadows exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah. we it's can't un-American. do it. And, and that was one of his first questions when we went in there and started talking to Meadows and we were explaining this process. He, he looked at me and he goes, so you, you want to put on? a rate cap on the brokers? And yeah. I said, no, that would be un-American. Yeah. And, and he kind of smiled and nodded and he goes, that's
1: right. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. He goes, good, now we can continue this conversation. <laughs> yeah, but that's an, another thing that we're, even to, to date, we're fighting with a lot of people. Where we're kind of letting them know, especially in the Slavic community, where it's un, it's not going to happen. That's not free market. Uh, so a lot of people had a lot of ideas. You know, so we, me and me, him, sit down and we're like, dude, let's get three key points and push these three key points uh, you, know, you know, forward. And that's where we came up with those, you know, uh, the uh, price guarantee, the transparency, the double brokerage. Uh, co-brokerage, all, all that stuff, you know, and, and uh, we pushed that, we we told everybody and we had everybody, you know, unite and actually stand behind that agenda instead of everybody coming in, you know, pushing things left and right. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. that made us stronger as well. We
0: had, we had a lot of people show up that were here for that, but they had other things that were near and dear to their hearts yeah. too, just like, you know, I actually caught some flack from some people because everything, as you know, Todd, that we've done as USTA has been mostly about rules, regulations, safety training, such like that them other issues and they're like well why aren't you why aren't you talk why are you not talking about that you're going you're going down there and you're doing this transparency thing and I say hey listen look it's kind of like a game of chess the The ultimate goal behind everything we ever did was to try and get the attention of someone that can help us and that's someone on top and that's someone over there in the White House we, we've said that from day one my god if we could just have 15 minutes to tell the president or someone of that stature that these are our problems, and you don't know that because people like the ATA are not telling them that. You know, what What? What could we do? So I, I looked at it as, you know what, this is a real problem just because we haven't worked on it yet. This is the issue at hand. This is the issue that brought, what, 200 and some yeah. trucks into D.C. I think there's so over, over,
1: over 450 trucks in that time period that of, you through, know, three yeah. weeks that came through, yeah. Some people came, some people left. People started believing in us more, and a lot of people started coming when we actually because when I came here, let me back up a little bit, I had a lot of people like, dad, dad, he's a ELD provider. Let's kill him, you know? He's he's the evil of all the roots, you know? So I'm like, dude, guys, like, listen, like, I left, I'm left. i a serial entrepreneur, I left every, uh, every, uh, everything behind. I'm here to actually help you guys move something forward. Yeah. Um, and people started believing in me, it was like day four or five, when we got our law firm on board and then our law, our law, the law firm wrote an official, complaint to the Department of Justice for the, you know, the anti- anti-trust and uh, price gouging and kind of breaking it down to them, you know, and then demanding, you know, uh, to, for them to start an investigation, that's when people are like, dude, uh, actually, this guy is actually doing something, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it took took a while, but we kind of, you know, slowly, gradually, you know, kind of built that relationship and every single day it got stronger, stronger, stronger. And then uh, there, there's a lot of uh, stuff like he, that he knows about as well as that, that was done behind scenes. You know and I mean, they, like you know, working together, you know, with, uh, here, there, you know, pushing things through to, to Senate, to Congress that was not in, in, in session at that time, but you know, pushing things for, uh, forward behind scenes that made thing, uh, uh, th- uh, things happen on the other side. You know, what I mean, we you know, we have uh, Mark Meadows come out and actually, uh, you know, talk to the dr- uh, drivers. You know what I mean? And then having that big White House meeting in you know the West Wing. You know what I mean? So people started believing, and that's what brought us t- together.
0: Yeah there was there were some small victories I guess you could say in that you know that we small, felt small battles that yeah, we won, we, yeah we felt like we were starting to get some someone's attention somewhere yeah. and, and and as people felt that they started to get you know a, a little more into it and they started to believe okay hey look we who's who's doing this there's there's any time you do something like that right it's just like an army you got you got the top brass you got generals you got your sergeants you got your officers your and and then your grunts and stuff whatever Well, it's the same way with this here. There's a few of us that, you know, I've got some experience coming down here in DC. He's got the business experience and a law firm behind it. He's got his ideas on things, I got my ideas on things. But we talked to everybody here to try and get their ideas on things. But we needed, you know, there wasn't, not that we were any more important than the person that came and didn't do anything because we needed numbers too. We needed the numbers here to show them that we were serious about this and it it all it all worked out so great and like to go back to you know how we put our differences aside because I've fought against ELDs and he's an ELD provider um I don't really know that there were differences to put aside um you know I don't Hate ELDs, I don't think they should be mandated. Right,
1: right, right.
0: He found a way right. to build a business and make money.
1: Right, right.
0: What's wrong with that? That's the whole reason I have a truck is because I built the business to make
1: money. <laughs> I was a truck driver, and right. yeah. still, when I when trucking, I looked into you know IT and then I hired you know developers and kind of had that my little side gig going, you know. Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't but until until it took off, I was driving even till, till, till today. You know, I still have two trucks. If I have to sit down and make a delivery, I'll do it. Sometimes I have a passion where I want to drive, but I know that if I'm going to sit and I'll, from you know uh, Oregon, Portland or whatever, I won't make it to Boise because I'll, I'll call somebody and say, "Get this truck out of my hands, <laughs> I'm done." You know what I mean? But that's that's just how it is, you know. And, and I th- I think
0: that's that's the big thing because we I got asked that question. I'm sure you have too yeah. ever since then about what you look. Sometimes it doesn't matter who. It's like he said, he was a truck driver. Yeah. We have a lot more in common than what yeah. is on the surface. Yeah. And you gotta look past the surface sometimes to get to know someone, and in three weeks we got to know each other pretty well, yeah. as well as many others that were down there. And, and it just, you know, everything happens for a reason and there's a reason he showed up there, there was a reason I ended up yeah. showing up there, and there was a reason I stayed, because in all honesty I was planning on coming down for the weekend and leaving. Yeah. And something inspired me with the people I met and how it was going to to stay. There's something told me that hey, like this is something you got to stick out
2: and yes for anyone looking for a quick fix on this issue don't hold your breath As my two-parter here with overdrive radio from the summer featuring east coast transportation longtime broker paul berman made clear the transaction records transparency issue is one that mystifies many brokers in the current market given how few times any trucker has bothered to request records under the 371.3 reg Berman's advice for owner-operators on dealing with brokers tended more toward the notion of finding solid partners you can trust, rather than basing a business on daily gambles with one-and-done quick fixes via public load boards. As I noted above, what truckers and everyone else are commenting on right now uh, in the pub- on the public docket with FMCSA includes not only ideas on outlawing contract terms that require truckers to waive their rights under the 379, 371.3 Records Transparency Reg and possible automated records delivery following every load. But also, a petition from the TIA, which represents brokers, to do away with 371.3 entirely is an outdated relic of another age. Carmen and Landis, nonetheless, both feel that the May Day protests have started a process in motion that could result in meaningful, positive change. But as Trump Chief of, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows reminded them. Two speeds in uh,
1: Washington, D.C they slow and slow never. and never <laughs> so if you guys you know relax you know pe- pack up and leave relax and you know we'll show you what's up <laughs> and things and th- things are you know moving forward i mean i'm happy yeah. that we started this movie because it's all about that truck driver in the end if he can get paid and he can pay his bills everybody's doing good but if you have a broker that is you know pushing buttons and he's getting the majority of the, of the money and they're colluding with each other and price gouging and all that that's not fair it's not fair to the the guy that actually has the majority of the bills the the guy driving the truck should be
0: making the brunt of the money out here because we're the ones putting our lives on the line to do it for one all the bills this expense you know expensive oh just owning the truck the time away from home to drive the truck and here you have some broker working from home making millions of dollars a year off
1: what Yeah, scamming you
0: You know so it's um and, and it opened the doors to a lot of things you know when we were in that Meeting in the White House, we didn't just talk about transparency because honestly, Meadows seemed to already have a pretty good handle on that once we started talking about it. And we brought up other things like training and uh, the fact that the rules are made up of by people that have never even been behind the wheel of a truck. So there were other things, right? Autonomous, there were other things brought up to continue that conversation and that dialogue with With the the White
1: House.
2: Uh, Carmen and Landis have both made efforts to maintain that connection inside the White House in the aftermath, and clearly the slow wheels of government are in motion in in that aftermath of Trucker's three-week vigil in May. The FNCSA administrator at the time, Jim Mullen, was no longer part of that government. The head of the broker group TIA at the time, Robert Voltman, likewise, stepped aside. The regulatory comment period continues, recently extended out for another month and a public listening session around the issues is scheduled for October 28th. Yet the heat on transparency for many has fallen a bit, given the spot market flipped back in truckers' favor in recent weeks and months. I can hear the cynical among brokers listening. I don't hear anyone complaining about transparency now. Yet. For the owner-operator who wants a steady profit on every load, one-off negotiations remain infuriating when you know rates don't always change so fast in contracts with shippers, and you still got to play the game with a broker who views your lane in quote-unquote backhaul terms. Landis shared a case in point from this summer, well after the market had heated back up for carriers.
0: And, and, And they're still doing that, because I tried to get out to California back in August for the American Truckers picnic out there, and I looked at hauling some reefer loads out, out of my normal thing, what I normally do just because I needed to get out there for that. And uh, I had guys offer me $2,500 from Pennsylvania and Ohio to go to California. That's dude, What? He's like, oh, California is hot right now, man. You'll get a load coming back. And I said, yeah, through your same stupid (laughs) brokerage company. (laughs) So don't tell me that you're hauling this load for, you know, we'll say $2,800 right now. No, you're still hauling it for probably five, six, seven grand or better.
1: Draining the swamp, we're actually draining the swamp in our industry well it, we, we can see results yeah the results happening. Yeah. is happening it's a slow process yep. and i'd rather take the like like meadows you know the two two options i'd rather take the option where it's slow than never right. most yeah. mo- most of the guys are working this i mean a lot of people that i talk to they're satisfied they're happy right now yeah, yeah. but, I, but yeah them, and you know, but an- yeah. another thing that you know we're pushing forward i mean you know mike and myself is that that you guys need to go out there and you guys need to comment. On this transparency issue, because yeah. we're the, people are missing the point where the uh, brokers they can throw you a bone when things are going down. When that period is over and that not a lot of comments are there, you're back to normal, yeah. yep. and your normal is getting screwed. So you need to go out there and you need to comment, yeah. and that's 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 what our, our, I think that's the number one it, thing right now. Just
0: because it's good now doesn't mean it's going to stay that yeah. way. Like he just oh, said, yeah, yeah. they yeah. they know they're under fire. They know that they don't want to irritate yeah. people right now. Um, because they've seen what can happen now when it does. and uh...
2: FMCSA recently extended the comment period we've been talking about out for another month through November 18. You can find a link to read the notice and make your comment on the issues via overdriveonline.com, search, quote-unquote, broker transparency, or just find the Channel 19 blog post that houses this podcast at overdriveonline.com slash channel 19. Until next time, stay pro out there.